Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm here. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Barbasol, the Barbasol Shave Club, featuring the premium Ultra 6 Plus Razor. Barbasol, the brand trusted by generations of men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close, clean, and comfortable shave. Visit Barbasol.com to join the Barbasol Shave Club today. Use discount code BROWNS at checkout to receive your starter kit for just... $1.99. Barbasol listened to us when we were complaining for all of our listeners, and they decided to lower the price because of us. So we got that for you. <laughs> Discount code Browns. You're welcome, everybody. Um, today we have a very special guest. We are graced by the presence of Dane Brugler. Um, he writes for The Athletic. He is one of our favorite guests and uh, just about as knowledgeable as it gets when it comes to the NFL draft. How you doing, Dane? Good evening, gentlemen. It's uh, hard to believe the draft's uh, almost single-digit single, single digit days away now, so it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's going to be here before we know it, and so it's uh, it's going to be fun. Even weirder, I'm a Browns fan, and I'm not super <laughs> nervous right now that the draft yeah. is only a few days away. I, I don't yeah, know what I'm more uncomfortable with. <laughs> it's a little different feeling. It's usually, uh, you know, the the highlight of the off season for the, for Browns <laughs> fans this year, it's, you know, I no first round pick and, uh, it's, uh, you know, what are you going to do Thursday night? Yeah. Well, we're going to be watching the draft, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all Good. live here in Nashville where the draft is. So we're actually probably going to be present somewhere near where the stage actually is set up. So, um, we haven't fun. figured that out exactly yet. It but. actually makes for a better experience knowing that the Browns aren't going to be doing anything critically important especially early on yeah can go enjoy the experience for what it is yeah no that's got to be a yeah like you said different feeling for sure but yeah i'm eager to see what nashville does it's uh you know i'm I'm here in frisco texas uh and last year the draft was here uh in arlington and frisco and dallas and so it, it was it was fun to see the production up up close and uh, Philadelphia looked like it was great, and so I, I know Nashville is going to put on a good show. So um, the timing of your being on our podcast is awesome, since you just unleashed the beast, as you called it earlier today, <laughs> that your new draft guide just launched today on The Athletic, free for any subscribers. Um, so if any listeners out there, for some reason, aren't subscribed to The Athletic, go do it, because Dane's draft guide is reason enough to subscribe to The Athletic just by itself. But everything else on there is awesome. Can you tell everybody a little bit about the guide and what it's been like this time through? Because we went through this process with you last year, and you were doing all this stuff on your own, and now you've got this big brand behind you and working with The Athletic. Um, how's that made it any different, and what does everybody have in store with this guide? Yeah, well, the guide's been something that I've done, gosh, for – uh, the first one I ever did was a freshman uh, in college and did it in my dorm room. And it's just been a passion project that has grown every year. And it's, you know, really been awesome to see just the evolution of it. And when I, when the uh, athletic uh, kind of, when we, when I joined the athletic last August as their lead NFL draft writer, you know, we, we discussed uh, the the draft guide. Would it be a part of the brand? Would it is that something we would just scrap and put it all on the site? We weren't sure what we were going to do, and we just decided, you know, well, for this year, we'll try it and see how it goes, and make it a PDF for all the subscribers, and uh, you know, kind of make it a perk. Uh, you know, I I think I feel really strongly about the product that we put out on the Athletic, but this is just a way to say. You know, we appreciate everybody, all the all the subscribers, and so just a little bit, a little bit extra. And so the feedback today has been outstanding. Um, the, it's literally a, a ten-month project, uh, putting this guide together with uh, as much information as possible. I've never had anybody come up to me and say there just there just wasn't enough detail in that, <laughs> in that guide. That's uh, that hasn't happened yet. So uh, and and that's that's my goal to for it never to happen. Um, I. All the official pro day and combine numbers, uh, ages, birth dates, um, you know, just everything. I, I love details. And when it comes to the draft, when it comes to these prospects, the details matter. Uh, that helps tell you where the player's, where he's been, where he's going and where he's headed. And it just, it really helps paint the picture. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of in-depth, uh, you know, guides out there and things like that. I just, 
you know, I, I work really hard to make sure that this one kind of stands out. And so hopefully I achieve that. Yeah. So Dane, one of the things that stands out from your draft guide is um, you have your quarterback rankings um, mm-hmm. as Browns fans, Browns fans love Ohio state players. And apparently <laughs> so do you at the quarterback position this year, you've got Dwayne Haskins as your number one prospect over Kyler Murray. Uh, what are you hearing? I know Daniel Jeremiah put out a tweet today that he's, he's not super confident that Kyler's going to go number one anymore. Um, talk about why you like Haskins over Murray and then maybe what you're hearing out there about what the Cardinals could do with the first pick. Yeah, and with these quarterbacks, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't love any of these quarterbacks. Uh, not like last year. Uh, last year, uh, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, all three of those guys were top ten players for me. This year, Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray are kind of mid-first-rounders. I think there's a lot of things to like about both, but they both uh, have uh, some holes in their game. Uh, but when it comes to Haskins, I'm just I'm trusting the arm. Because I think he has, it's not just the velocity, but the accuracy, the touch, uh, what he has above the neck. Uh, I think there's a lot there as just kind of a starting point that you can build up. Um, I worry about the lower body. I worry about, um, you know, his ability to handle pressure, step up in the pocket, find those second chance throws. That's something that he got better at uh, at Ohio State, but not something that he did consistently. And so... Uh, but I, I think it's more of a, an experienced issue, not a talent-based issue. So, you know, 14 starts, sample size is a part of, you know, why some are not high on Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but, you know, uh, opinions are all over the map. It's uh, it's really interesting. Uh, quarterbacks, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And uh, teams are, are different. Uh, and, and, you know, some like Drew Locke as the top guy. Some like <laughs> Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. I mean, it's really all over the place. Um, and so how many do you think go in the first round? I'll be surprised if four, uh, don't go in the top 20. Um, I I think all four of those guys, Kyler Haskins, Locke and, uh, Daniel Jones, I think all four will go in the top 20. It's just trying to figure out exactly where. And I I mean, last year we knew quarterbacks were going to go high. We just weren't sure exactly the order and all that, but, this year, it's a little more wide open where I feel really confident these four quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. It's just it's really hard to peg where uh, I I think Murray's going one. I would put it at, say, I don't know, 75, 80 percent. But, you know, at this time last year, I thought Sam Darnold was going to go number one to the Browns. So, you know, it, anything mm-hmm. could change. But I, I don't know. There's just so many breadcrumbs. Uh, pointing uh, Cardinals and uh, in in Kyler, Kyler Murray together. Uh, I think it's going to happen. And then after that, when's the next quarterback coming off the board? That's that's kind of the, the big question. I, I'm not really sure. Is it Dwayne Haskins? And if so, where? Uh, is it top 10? It, could it be Drew Locke? I, it, that's, it's a big question mark that I think is going to be one of the big storylines on Thursday and first night of the draft. Super interesting. So you still think Kyler's probably uh, gonna go number one to the Cardinals? There's just too I much. Do. There's too much yeah. smoke for there not to be fire. Yeah, I, I, look, it's it's not a coincidence that Kyler Murray chose uh, Eric Burkhart as his agent, uh, same agent as Cliff Kingsbury. That is not a coincidence. Um, I think that just throughout the whole process, there are enough people in the league that believe it's going to happen. Um, you know, it's not like it's just something that's media created. I and mean, there's, and everyone that I talk to in the league thinks that Kyler Murray will be an Arizona Cardinal. So the big question will be, uh, you know, the order of the quarterbacks, how they come off the board after that. And then Josh Rosen, you know, where does he end up? Is that a draft night trade? Is that something they wait and, you know, they kind of, uh, whoever doesn't get their quarterback after round one, maybe that's, it's a day two trade. I, that'll be really interesting. Uh, what happens with Josh Rosen, if Kyler Murray does end up going one, how do you think if, so assuming they draft Kyler number one, how do the Cardinals maximize their value with Rosen? Cause on one hand you could have a team who needs a quarterback who missed out mm-hmm. needing to trade. But on the other hand, if you're just stuck with two quarterbacks and every team in the league knows you need to get rid of one, that's not a mm-hmm. great bargaining position. No, and I mean, Josh Rosen's only worth what a team's willing to pay for him. So it doesn't matter that 
you know, he cost a first-round pick plus more because the Cardinals traded up for him last year. That really doesn't matter. All that right. matters is what a team is willing to pay. And I think, I mean, you're exactly right. Once Kyler Murray is drafted, uh, if that does happen, then that they immediately lose leverage in any negotiation. And every other team knows that. It's just the Cardinals have to hope that there are multiple teams in on Rosen to create, you know, some type of, uh, you know, nego- negotiation ploy where they can pit each other, pit te- uh, teams against each other to get the best deal. But, I, you know, I think the best deal possible is probably going to be a second rounder. Um, you know, I think the Redskins uh, makes the most sense. Uh, you know, the Redskins just acquired Case Keenum. You put Case Keenum in a second rounder in a deal to in, in a deal to Arizona for uh, Josh Rosen. I think everybody wins. Arizona gets their veteran quarterback that can help mentor uh, Kyler Murray, Case Keenum, uh, former uh, pupil of Cliff Kingsbury. So, uh, you know, I think the match makes a lot of sense there. And uh, for Washington, they don't really have the long-term future of their quarterback's depth chart figured out with Alex Smith uh, maybe coming back from injury in 2020. Um, Colt McCoy's been injured. You don't know what you're getting there. So Josh Rosen would give that franchise a, a future at quarterback. So I think Washington and uh, Arizona would make the most sense. Hmm. That's interesting. Thankful the Browns are not in that position of trying to trade for right? Rosen. Man, it feels so good to have a franchise guy. Dane, <laughs> you, you grew up a Browns fan, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So I love that. That's part of the reason why you uh, agreed to come on our podcast, which we're so thankful for. Exactly. Um, <laughs> what? Um, so from a Browns perspective, I just got a question for you. What positions do you think are the deepest? Obviously that we don't have a first-round pick, and so we're going to need to get some value later on in the draft, and we have a, a bunch of later um, draft picks. What What positions do you think are the deepest where we get the most bang for our buck i I think on day two um the key position is safety Uh, round two is kind of the sweet spot uh for safeties and we might not see a safety come off the board in the first round uh maybe nasir adderley goes top 32 maybe jonathan abram but it's no guarantee and meanwhile in the second round do you think chauncey we're also gator fans do you think chauncey gardner johnson Mm -hmm. um has a chance to go in the first round too i've heard some people thinking that that might be the case i there's always a chance because i I think he is the best nickel in this draft uh but you know i mean his interviews haven't gone overly well um they haven't no, I mean, I, well, I can't. I guess I can't say that for every interview that he's done. I don't know. I've just heard from a few that didn't go well. Um, Drop he's just, him he, to he's 49. Very, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he's just a very, uh, I don't know. Uh, he, he's very, uh, I, I, let me pull up my report. I don't want to get the thing wrong. I, I can put some words in your mouth. He's very <laughs> sure of himself and uh, doesn't back down. Doesn't matter who he's talking to. Yes, that is very true. I, I had a former teammate, two former teammates say, oh, here, self-absorbed is the quote I was given. <laughs> by." Uh, and so, like, you know, it, it's it's not something that's going to just, like, knock them down draft boards. But, you know, if a team's trying to figure out if they want Nasir Adderley or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Adderley's a Boy Scout. He might get the edge, you know, because of something like that. So, but who knows? I I can only speak for a few of the interviews and, you know, following up with some of his teammates and just kind of what they said about him. Um, so, you know, I think with Gardner Johnson, he's the best nickel, but I, somewhere in the top 50, someone's going to get a good player. I, I think the interesting one's going to be Taylor Rapp from Washington because you're very high on him. I think he's a first round player. I really do. Uh, the tape is, he's just a fun player and you, his defensive coordinator calls him the smartest player he's ever coached. The instincts are awesome. The short area quickness is awesome. It's just he's a four seven eight speed safety, and that number is going to kill him. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, I think there were several teams in the mid to late second round kind of pumping their fists when they saw that four seven, thinking, okay, well now we have a shot at this guy, and not we don't have to take him in the first round. We can get him in the second round. So, could the Browns at you know forty nine? I think that'd be interesting. They could certainly use an upgrade at strong safety that's a possibility um but i i think the safety class back to your original question the safety class in the second round and that's really the sweet spot uh we're gonna see a lot of safeties come off the board in the top you know 75 picks or so and then linebacker not really and i think linebacker might be the biggest need on this roster 
not really a strong group of linebackers this year. Uh, after Devin Bush and Devin White, it's a pretty big drop-off. I'm a huge fan of Jelani Tavai from Hawaii, who is a lot better than anybody's given credit for. I don't wouldn't be surprised at all if he's a second-round pick. Um, and so I think he he's a guy could be on the Browns' radar on day two. But I think round four, uh, rounds four and five, I think where there's decent value at the linebacker position, guys that can come in, contribute, uh, you know, maybe find another Joe Schobert in the fourth round this year. That'd be awesome. So before we jump into position by position, I think we want to dive a little bit deeper on a few positions of need for the Browns. I'm curious about your thoughts because on previous um, podcasts with us, you've mentioned that you have some familiarity with John Dorsey. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of gives us a little extra color to like what you, it'd be interesting to know your thoughts heading into this draft, knowing what you know about John Dorsey, looking at his drafts in the past mm-hmm. and seeing what we have in front of us. It's kind of a unique situation. We don't have the first round pick. We've got these deeper, uh, these picks later on in the draft. Like, what do you expect him to do? Cause I think like the consensus right now from Browns fans and Browns Twitter in particular is they're going to look after the secondary, like early on, but I have some suspicions that maybe offensive line is going to come a lot quicker than people think. And there's mm-hmm. a few other things. Like, I'm curious to know your particular thoughts, knowing Dorsey and having evaluated him over the years, what you think um, Browns fans should expect. It, it will be really interesting um, I, because of kind of where this roster is, not having a first-round pick. Uh, is John going to be able to wait until pick 49 to uh, make a pick? Uh, or is he going to see the opportunity to jump up and get a, a player that he wants? Uh, that's really going to be an interesting part of this because I, I think he's going to get antsy. He's going to be in that <laughs> draft room. He's going to be – he wants to draft. John uh, wants to draft. And so he's uh, – uh, you know, enjoy Thursday night, guys. But just in the back of your mind, you never know. Just kind of keep keep your eye on the, the draft tracker. Uh, never know what, what John might do. But – I think it's uh, certainly a possibility in the second round if they would move up a little bit to uh, get a certain player. I don't know who, but it really will be interesting to see how they navigate that that round two and three, the, the day two picks. Uh, you know, knowing that they don't have a first round pick, and seemingly they have a roster that is not. I mean, it's certainly. And I'm not going to say it's without holes. It's certainly you know there's areas where they can improve and get better and add depth. But are they going to reach for need and go after a linebacker, go after corner depth, go after a safety? Or are they going to, if the right tackle is there, are they going to add the offensive line depth? Um, you know, at some point, do they add a running back, a receiver, you know, a Duke Johnson? Who knows what's going on with him? Uh, you know, there's just certain, certain positions where uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went that direction um, uh, over a need because they have a higher-rated player. I mean, John... John believes in sticking to the draft board, and he believes in the traits. Um, and so I think he's – if the right player is there, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if they went defensive line uh, in the second round. It's just – I think it's really going to come down to the top-rated player and, you know, who that might be, whether it's defensive line, corner, safety. Um, you know, John just – he's a believer in trusting the board that they build and uh, trusting the traits. And so I, I expect that to happen on day two of the draft. Nice. Nice. All right. So you mentioned like right off the top that the value in this draft probably is in that round two section for safety. Safety is clearly a need for the Browns. Demarius Randall's in his last year. We have one year of that guy we just traded for from the Chiefs. Eric Murray. Murray. That's the one. I literally can never remember his name. We talked about him like in multiple segments of last week's podcast, and I couldn't remember it the entire time. Uh, Only one more year of Eric Murray. Um, we did just sign uh, Morgan Burnett, but he's only on a two-year deal, and he's a little long in the tooth. And so safety is going to be a position we go after. At that 49 spot, I know you plugged us with Taylor Rapp in your seven-round mock that came out fairly mm-hmm. recently, but what other guys do you think might be available there and could be a good fit for the Browns, both there and 80, actually? Like, if we would go in another direction, like, what does the third round look like for safety? Uh, an interesting name is Amani Hooker from Iowa. Um, I think he's he is that prototypical strong safety um, where he's not an elite athlete. Um, he played even a lot of linebacker at Iowa, kind of that overhang uh, hybrid linebacker role. 
Um, but he's your prototypical strong safety, 5'11", 210, uh, ran a lot better than I think we expected, uh, just under 4'5", uh, but a really, really smart player. Uh, he puts himself in position to succeed, right place, right time, not a coincidence type of guy. So I think Amani Hooker, ideally I'd like to give him the third round, but I don't know if he lasts until the Browns' third round pick. So he might be a guy that you move around for and, and add to your secondary um, I think that by the time we get to 49, Adderley's off the board, Abrams off the board, Gardner Johnson's off the board, Thornhill maybe. 49, you think Gardner Johnson will be gone, even though you're pretty confident he won't be a first rounder? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's going to go somewhere between like 35 and you know 45, 47, something like that. That would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just think he's too good. Someone's going to take a chance on him there, and that early portion of the second round um but then you get into some some questionable guys like Deontay Thompson from Alabama who has up and down tape didn't really get a chance to work out this uh pre-draft process because of a right wrist injury uh he's kind of a lot of unknown with Deontay Thompson uh he's in that second round mix Darnell Savage from Maryland uh player who's undersized he's under 5'11 he's under 200 pounds but he can fly Uh, the reaction quickness that he plays with is outstanding so but he's a, more of a, a nickel, more of a... Do you have a you know, comp a for him? He's like a weird one. Uh, he's like LaMarcus Joyner, um, you know, just that undersized. And LaMarcus Joyner, he's, he's been a Pro Bowl player. He, he just, uh, he's on his, I think, second big deal. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's been a quality player in the NFL despite his undersized uh, frame. And I, I think, uh, you know, there's not many of those guys, but I think Darnell Savage can be that type. Uh, who can line up in the nickel, can play some free, just do a lot of different things. Um, you know, ran a four three six. I'm looking at your at your guide yeah. right now. Goodness yeah, gracious! Yeah, four three six. He, he flew, and it, it, that shows on tape. His when he sees it, click close, boom, he goes. And uh, we saw it in the Ohio State game. Uh, you know, he created a, uh, an interception in that game. We saw it in the Texas game on that tape. So I mean, he he did it consistently uh, in a lot of different areas and. For a guy who, uh, you know, he, he played a lot of deep safety. Right? He played a lot of, like, away from the ball. He had a lot of plays in the backfield. Uh, and that's really just a case of his speed and being able to close and make plays before the runner can even cl- uh, cross the line of scrimmage. So I, there's a lot to like about him. Again, you just worry about the size. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of the way where I tweeted this the other night. But I saw it. I'm, Looking over my top 80 or whatever it is, safeties, there's only one over 215 pounds, and it's a corner convert. So it's just the way the NFL is going and the way that college football is going is just you need to be an athletic player more so than a size power guy. And, I, you know, so that works for guys like Savage. Yeah. Do you think any of these guys are like a direct replacement for uh, Peppers now that we lost him? Um, I know Steve Wilkes liked him. Um, like Thornhill, a really athletic guy, somebody like that that we could plug and play in the second round? Yeah, and I, I like Thornhill a lot because I think he can be interchangeable where, you know, I think the, the, the in, in today's NFL, the lines are more blurred than ever on free and strong and, you know, the different responsibilities of the safeties. Ideally, you want a guy that can cover and that can tackle. You know, it's just it's not like in – 1995 when you wanted that big bruising strong safety who could come down and you know be an impact run defender you know you you want guys that can do both and i think that's what juan thornhill can do Uh, i mean sometimes you know he'll 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 miss a tackle or two sometimes you know he has to be sound with his technique to be a consistent finisher but he's a playmaker and with thornhill he tests or he checks the boxes you know you want a guy with good tape okay he's got that you want a guy with production Okay, he led the team in tackles and interceptions last year. Uh, you want a guy with the testing numbers that matches. Okay, well, four four two in the forty yard dash at six foot two hundred five pounds. Uh, and then I was kind of worried with Thornhill that he chose not to run the short shuttle or the three cone at the combine, thinking, okay, well, he's clearly hiding something. Okay, well, then at Virginia's pro day, he runs a six eight six three cone, which is a phenomenal time. For a 205 pounder, uh, 420 in the short shuttle, a good time. So, uh, you know, I, he checks a lot of boxes that you're looking for, um, and so that's why I think there's a good chance he might not even be there at that point. But if he is there, I think he'd make a plenty of sense for the Browns. 
So I'm noticing as I'm looking at your guide that he is going to be over 23, uh, mm-hmm. 23 and a half. He's like significantly older than the rest of these guys. This is like one of those things that I hear different draft analysts talk about. Like, how do you view age when you're looking at prospects? Because like we one, I don't know if you're familiar with Pete Smith, but he is like super, he harps on the age piece a lot. And we'll even cross guys off the board if they're like 24 years old coming out Mm -hmm. of the class. And it seems to be really important to some guys and not very important to other guys. I'm curious your thoughts. It matters, um, but I, th- I think within context of understanding that, okay, one Thornhill, he's a 23-year-old guy who's competing against 21-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and, you know, how does that matter uh, with a guy like a safety? Like, I don't know. I just I, I don't think it matters as much as if one th- compared to one Thornhill being, uh, you know, a down lineman or, you know, certain positions, I think it matters more. The fact that he's a little bit older as a safety, I don't know. For me, as a general manager, like, I'm not really too concerned about the fact that he might have a eight-year career as opposed to a, you know, 10-year career, 11 career in the NFL. I mean, I, I'm worried about what he can do for me on his rookie contract. That's my main focus. And so I, I don't get too hung up in the age thing. I think it just matters because – if there's a 24-year-old defensive tackle who is just beating up on 20-year-olds, you know, it's just a matter of the guy being you know, three years older, stronger, more powerful, That that's where I think it really matters. But with a safety, I, I don't think it matters quite as much. Ideally, you'd like him to be, you know, like a, a money hooker who I think does not even 21 yet. Yeah. So ideally, you'd like that, but it just doesn't always work out that way. Got it. So with that with that age, follow up on that. Is it is it more about the physical development and the requirements from the position, or when you're projecting to the NFL? I mean, some positions just take longer to pick up in the NFL. So the older you are, the longer it's going to take. Right, and physical development. I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. Um, some guys, and look, the age thing is. It's a little difficult because not every 21-year-old is the same maturity, not every 20, you know, physically and emotionally, you know, like there's a 21-year-olds are just, they're all different. Some 21-year-olds are done growing. Some 21-year-olds still have a couple more years of growing to do. So I, you know, I I try not to get, I think people get too hung up on the age thing without fully understanding kind of where that player is and his growth. Uh, in terms of, you know, being a late bloomer or just not uh, as emotionally or physically mature as some other uh, players the same age. So it, that's certainly a factor and so, something that goes into it. So switching switching gears here a little bit, the Browns got a great starting cornerback, pro bowler, last year in Denzel Ward. This year's cornerback <coughs> class is a lot different there doesn't seem to be a guy who kind of checks all the boxes. You've got, you've got um, Byron Murphy, who's good, but he's a little slower. You've got Greedy Williams, who um, maybe has some, some issues tackling. Um, how many starting caliber corners do you feel like are in this class, and kind of where, where do you draw that line? I think with this class, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of guys that are like potential. Uh, you know, you're banking on the traits, and – you know, guys like Isaiah Johnson from Houston, uh, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson, uh, you know, these types of guys where they have a lot of the traits that you look for at the position, but a little bit of a projection there in terms of how they're going to develop and grow. And so I think in my the seven round mock draft, I believe I had Jamel Dean going to the Browns in the third round. Yeah, and I hated that pick. I didn't like that. Yeah. Dane. <laughs> he's exactly that what we're talking about. Like he's that projection who, you know, he's he's tall, 6'1", 206 pounds, blazing speed, 4.30. The medicals would be important. He had three major knee injuries before he even, you know, played his first college game. Um, So, I mean, the medicals definitely play a part. But I think there's a lot of those guys this year. Joan Williams from Vanderbilt, Justin Lane from Michigan State. Uh, My favorite of the group might be Sean Bunting from Central Michigan. Um, You're driving that train. You're driving that train, Dane. Hopefully he doesn't let me down, but he's, 
<laughs> I, there, there's a lot to like about him. I, you know, he's he's a big size or a good sized athlete. Uh, he can run. He's not afraid to get physical, and I think he's I, he qualifies. I, I don't use this these two words um, a lot. I mean, I try to save them so they have importance. But like last year, Leighton Vanderesh was an ascending player. You know, he was getting better and better and better with every tape that I watched. And so I don't try not to overuse that, that term, save it for the guys that I think continue to get better with every football game they play. And so you project them favorably moving forward as a guy that will continue to get better and better. And I think uh, Sean Bunting qualifies as an ascending player uh, in this draft because he is getting better with the more football that he sees. Uh, but this corner group, there's not a locked top 25 pick, which we haven't the last time a corner did not go top 25 in the draft was 1974 so it's been a a few minutes and (laughs) this it's going to be interesting to see how i mean we could see a corner go 15 to the redskins the the steelers at 20 uh the texans at 23 uh the raiders at 24 all those teams could take a corner but none of these corners are locks to go that early uh so it's going to be really interesting when like if rocky ascent from temple is the first uh, corner off the board that shouldn't surprise anybody because there is no consensus on the safety group or excuse me corner group it's going to be an interesting one for sure I do you think that Dorsey if some of these guys drop and like there people are hesitant to take a chance on some of these corners in the first round do you could you see him taking one at 49 uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I think corner, again, I think John Dorsey is going to draft uh, based on, not on need, but based off of, you know, the best player. And if he has a really high grade on a guy like Justin Lane from Michigan State, who has, you know, not, not many corners have 80-plus-inch wingspans, but Justin Lane does. Uh, he's one of the few over 80 inches. Uh Love the size three inches longer than everybody else. It looks like, yeah, exactly. You you don't see guys with that type of wingspan. Uh, six one, three quarters, uh, 192 pounds, four five oh in the 40, uh, tested really well. And you know, he's a guy that played wide receiver a lot. Um, would you you make the transition? What's that? I've heard some mention him in the category of being like an ascending player where they felt like every time they watched him, he kind of like figured it out a little bit more, particularly this past year. Yeah, I didn't see as much consistency from him, but I do think that uh, he did take a step forward this year. There's no question. I don't think it was necessarily like with every single game, but I think you have to be optimistic about uh, you know, the player that he is based on the traits. Now, you, you watch his film, and he's given up too much spacing at, at times, needs to do better uh, just with his footwork, um, recognizing routes, and just you know, learning some of the smaller details of the position. But I think he's on his way, and that's why I think Justin Lane, we're talking about him as a, a top 50 type of player and someone that I think the Browns could be interested in. It's super intriguing just to think about him and his frame and his length and like that being his upside opposite Denzel Ward. I think that's why I've seen so many like Browns fans and you know uh, analysts like get excited about that because the combo of those two guys seems to make like a ton of sense and provide any mm-hmm. defensive coordinator a bunch of options. Well, and traditionally, John, John's a guy that he, he likes. He wants press corners. He wants big physical corners that aren't afraid to get up in your face, press, and then can ride you up and down the field. That, that's what he wants. That's what he's looked for. And with uh, Justin Lane, hey, you got a kid from Cleveland, from Benedictine, who is young, who is uh, really talented, and uh, you know, I think his best football is ahead of him. So. Uh, and, you know, he had offers to Notre Dame, to Ohio State. He chose to go to Michigan State and, you know, try to be a little different. And so, you know, it would be, uh, be pretty cool to see him come back to Cleveland and play for his hometown team. I'm really interested to see what type of corner we take, too, because I'm not so sure that Steve Wilkes has really been angling <laughs> towards the press corner. It seems mm-hmm. like he runs a little bit more of some zone and, like, cover two schemes. And mm-hmm. so I just am interested to see where where that lands um, when all said and done, as far as like what kind of personnel Dorsey leans towards. Definitely, definitely, because uh, yeah, it's uh, they they hired him uh, for a reason, and you know obviously things didn't go well in Arizona, but they hired him to be uh, the defensive uh, head coach basically, because we know Freddie Kitchens, he's in charge of the offense, and. Uh, 
you know, work, or you're working in tandem with the offensive coordinator. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see because Wilkes is basically going to be the guy on defense and they're going to let him do his thing. Uh, but in order to do that, you have to give him the players that he wants. And so that certainly will be an interesting part of this. Uh, I think, you know, all of us are going to be interested to see what type of corners they go after. Yeah. All right. I could talk about corners all day. But um, let's move on to another position. You mentioned it uh, off the top, talking about like value, linebacker. Um, you mentioned specifically Tavai from Hawaii, a guy that you're really high on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned specifically that rounds four or five is probably where the value starts to kick in at linebacker. Realistically, I don't think the Browns like really have a choice to take. I don't think they're going to look much at linebacker in those first couple picks anyways, given that that's that the value is later in this draft. What are some of those names that probably are not household names in that four and five range where you, we could get another Jannard Avery or another Joe Schobert that could maybe take over for Kirksey down the line? There's a few of these guys, um, you know, Blake Cashman from Minnesota. Um, wish in he was four a and five, longer. do you think he'll go that long? Yeah, I, mean, he, I think he's I, – I have a late third on him, so late third, early fourth. So, you know, if he lasted until the, you know, middle portion of the fourth round, I don't think that would be too surprising. And the big biggest reason is just the length. He's not very long, but uh, he's a fun player to watch on tape. Yeah, he's got T-Rex Really arms. smart. Yeah, he does. He does. And that, <laughs> that, that's something that, I mean, Dorsey's talked at length about length and how important it is at, at certain positions, especially on the defensive line. And it matters at linebacker, too, because when you have those climbing offensive linemen coming at you, you need to be able to work off those blocks and uh, make a play. And that's something that Cashman struggled with sometimes, uh, just trying to get through the roadblocks and uh, make a play. But I love the speed. You love the tenacity that he plays with, uh, the competitive juices. Uh, he, he's a fun player, and so I, I don't know if anybody really expected him to run as well as he did at the Combine. Um, I mean, I made me look smart because I, I put him at my number seven, I think, linebacker uh, pre-draft or pre-Combine, um, but he ran even better than I expected. So <laughs> uh, he's he's a fun player, and I, someone I, I think in the late third, but even into the fourth round, he could be there. Uh, ben Burkirvin from Washington. I mean, this is a guy who just look at the production. Like I, I'm, I'm a big traits guy over production. I think production can be very, very misleading. But with Ben Burkirvan, you don't make 176 tackles in a season and not have some idea of what you're doing. Um, <laughs> so like it, it does. He's not the biggest guy. Six foot, two thirty. Um, you know, longer. You know, he has almost 32 inch arms. So not not a knock there, but. Again, first-team All-American with what he did this past year, led uh, FBS with uh, 176 tackles. There's just there's plenty to like about him, and I think fourth round is kind of the perfect value spot for him. Yeah, he's definitely on my wish list. If he's there in the fourth round and we don't take him, I'm hmm. going to be upset, I think. Michael loves like the scrappy, undersized, white, like hustle linebacker. Mm-hmm. For sure. Ben Burkirvan, yeah. Blake Fits the Cashman. Bill. You're, you're speaking his language. <laughs> I love That's, it. So. Uh, I, I like the fit. And another guy to keep it on the radar is uh, Drew, Drew Lewis from Colorado. Um, I, I think he has the athletic profile that John Dorsey looks for. And he also has some good inside information because his Drew's dad, Will, was with John in Kansas City as I believe he was the director of college scouting um, for a couple of years before he he left. He was the he was the GM of the Memphis team in the AAF before that folded. Um, so <laughs> I they think, rest you know, in peace. Yeah. In the AAF. Yeah, it was exactly. a great run. A great couple month run uh, for, for for Drew Lewis. I think he's the athlete that they look for, um, and so somewhere on day three, uh, wouldn't be surprised if they came away with Drew Lewis, uh, John Dorsey, and the Browns. Okay, all right. So uh, last time we had you on, Dane, sometime around Thanksgiving, you were telling us um, how deep of a class this class is at defensive tackle. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't have. Um, a top of the line pick is there is that depth still going to be there later on in the rounds we got like three fifth round picks at d-line interior d-line we need to add some depth on our team um is that is that something that'll still be there late or is it early, only early 
I, I think it's early and I think it's late. I think in the middle there's some they're they're lacking a little bit. So you know if you need a, a, a defensive tackle early, you know top ten Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, um, you know Jerry Tillery's uh, got some stuff going on, but he's a really talented guy. Dexter Lawrence is going to go in the first round, um, but if you need a defensive tackle on day two, I think your the options are kind of limited. Uh, Tristan Hill from UCF will go high. Somewhere on day two, Kalen Saunders, Draymond Jones, uh, but that's a that's about it. Um, and I think uh, uh, Rennell Wren, who I know the Browns like him uh, from Arizona State, how do you know be that? An option. Uh, there's just some things that uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> they 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 do like Rennell Wren. He's keeping it that. close to the vest. <laughs> yes, uh, so that'd be a, that'd be a name to keep on the radar, Rennell Wren, and maybe the third round uh, if they wanted to go that direction. Um, he's a but guy. Then I think, he's a guy who didn't produce that much but has the no. traits right well he was kind of out of kind of miscast because he was a nose tackle uh in their three-man front and it's not really what he does best i mean he's kind of a, a, a first step guy um and uh fran duffy who does great stuff with the philadelphia eagles uh he i think he hit the nose on the head he said it reminds him a lot of chris uh chris jones when he's coming out who john dorsey drafted um in uh number 33 overall yep yeah, so I think there, you do see those flashes with him, just that upfield quickness, the ability to uh, be a bull in a china shop. Um, and so I think that would make some sense in the third round if they went in that direction. Uh, but it's all based on traits. You know, he doesn't have the production. The tape is spotty. So you're trusting that, you know, your coaches are going to be able to help him connect the dots and get the most out of his ability. Um, but like I said, I think in the, in the first round, defensive tackle, really good depth, uh, but then there's a drop-off on day two, and then I think it picks up again in uh, on day three, starting in the fourth round, when you can get guys like Daniel Wise and, um, you know, the two kids from Texas A&M with Mack and Kings Kiki and uh, Michael Dogby from Temple is another name I know that the, the Browns have shown interest in. Uh, one of the uh, top combine snubs this year, uh, going to go probably in that fifth-round range. So uh, defensive tackle, there's definitely value on day three. So, I personally hope we come away with two defensive tackles in this draft. That might be, like, wishful thinking. But to me, we need, like, lots of rotational guys, like, Mm -hmm. in that spot. Like, it's the one spot I feel like we don't have any depth. Um, And it killed me to watch Ogunjobi take nearly every single snap last year. Right. Um, One guy that we've been hot on ever since we went to the Senior Bowl uh, is Kalen Saunders. And... I think every single fan base loves Kalen Saunders because um, <laughs> of the backflips. The back—I mean, yep. it's all of it. He's got the personality. He's like moving 100 miles an hour every single play. Like it's hard He's to fun. not like a guy like Kalen Saunders. But I wonder how much the like Twitter hype has kind of inflated him. I'm curious about your thoughts on where he actually goes. Does the NFL feel as strongly about Kalen Saunders as we all do on on this side? I, I mean, I think they like him. Um, you know, I haven't heard, uh, you know, like he's a fifth-round guy, anything like that. I think he's, you know, somewhere – I think a lot of teams view him as a top 100 player. Um, so we're talking you know, probably third round. I believe I have him as a top 75 guy on my board. And so, you know, I, I like you said, it's, it's just easy to like a guy like that. Uh, the tape is a little up and down. Uh, I mean, he played a lot of – a lot of nose tackle because they, they ran a three, four base at Western Illinois. And so he played a lot of nose, but they lined them up outside. They lined them up uh, all over the defensive line there. So, uh, you know, I don't have any questions about this, his competitive drive, his ability to want it. I mean, he, there's a lot there to like, uh, and the fact that he didn't go, you know, leave senior bowl practices to be with his fiance when she went into labor with their first child, I kind of, kind of tells you something right there um i mean just his dedication to uh to what he's doing so i, I i'm a that's, big fan that's I, honestly questionable though <laughs> <laughs> like that 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 toes a line there no but but you're, nfl you're, teams you're, love that yeah like they love you're, you're guys who care yeah. about football more than anything it, it, else if you're gonna cross your fiance like that, you, you, you might have a screw loose. I mean, you, there might be something off. Uh, yeah, but he'll learn quick. He'll learn quick. I'm sure. Yeah, it's uh, the first time through. He doesn't realize how big of a deal it actually is. Yeah, exactly. But I'm sure she'll remind him. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, he's a fun player. I like you kind of said it best. It, it's it's the easy to like him, you know, with everything that he offers. Uh, it, I, I I remember talking to his uh, one of his coaches at Western Illinois, and he just I had to cut him off because he just wouldn't stop talking and raving <laughs> about him. I mean, just talking about how smart he is, talking about how you know just how much they put on his plate in terms of what he can handle, the film stuff, um, the intangibles were awesome. So. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot to like there. That's awesome. So the Browns have a huge uh, Green Bay contingent, especially mm-hmm. in the front office, but we also added um, to the coaching staff, bringing on James Campen as the offensive line coach this year. Um, kind of a hallmark of those Green Bay teams has been finding gems late round on the offensive line. Where do you – suspect that the Browns go from an offensive line from a developmental standpoint. We don't really need anybody to come in and start right away, but playing a, a year from now might be great or even two years from now. Um, do you see the Browns addressing that late in the draft, early in the draft, like Michael might suspect? Or what, what do you see the um, trajectory there being? Yeah, that I'm really interested to see what they do on the offensive line because they brought in some guys. I mean, we know Greg Robinson's on a one-year deal. Um, but what's their long-term plan? I mean, are they just kind of patching it together and you know playing it year by year and seeing what happens? I, I don't know. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they attack offensive line uh, in this draft. If if the right guy's there, if you know whether it's Greg Little or Caleb McGarry, Titus Howard. If one of those guys, do they like him enough to take him in uh, the second or third round? I, maybe. I don't know. It's. I'm really eager to see kind of how they attack that. Max Sharping, hey, you just talked about Green Bay, uh, how, how much that plays a part. Hey, Max Sharping grew up in Green Bay. He grew up in the shadow of Lambeau Field uh, for Northern Illinois. He, he might be a guy they look at in the third round, but Offensive line's tough uh, to develop, and, you know, do they take a chance on a guy like Isaiah Prince from Ohio State in the fifth or sixth round who uh, has all the tools, just he really struggled to put it all together at Ohio State. And I, I know he got better as a senior, but he was so bad as an underclassman, there was nowhere to go but up. So, uh, you know, I think it was positive development for him, but still tough to get too too excited. Um, Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls is a small school guy to keep an eye on. Needs to get stronger, a lot stronger. But uh, you know, once he gets into an NFL strength and conditioning program, you know that's I think that's something they can work on. Um, I really like Brandon Hitner from Villanova later on in the draft, uh, a right tackle who might be better inside. But th- this t- this tackle class has a few underrated uh, sleepers that they could be uh, looking to bring in and looking to develop. What about uh, Paul Adams out of Missouri? He's an old friend of mine from. My high school. What do you think about oh, Paul? Oh, is he really? Yeah. Uh, speak freely. Yeah. Speak freely. No pressure. <laughs> well, I, he's uh, he seems like a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, bad start. He, he, he was a t- yeah. He was a two-year <laughs> captain, so he's the you know he got along with everybody. Seemed like uh, I you know I, I think he moved pretty well, um, but. I, I don't know. I thought he really struggled with length, you know, de- like longer arm defensive lineman could get inside his, his frame and really kind of dictate where he was going, uh, struggle with power. He just, he couldn't match power for power. He's just not a very powerful guy. Um, I, I tell you, it wasn't Mark in middle I, school. Yeah, when... I tell you what, he whipped up on me in middle school football. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're well, a few years older than him. Yeah. <laughs> All, all of a sudden, I'm doubting my scouting report. <laughs> don't, you, don't. You shouldn't. It's, Mark's also no, suffering I'm, from gout right now, <laughs> so there's really like no reason to be fearful of Mark at the moment. Very true. <laughs> I couldn't create any power from my haunches right no, now. No leverage. <laughs> well, I, another older guy. I think he's like 24, so... Uh, you know, I, I'll be surprised if he gets drafted, but he's got at least a shot later on in the draft. There We're we cheering go. for him. We're cheering for him. There we go. Um, so tell me about the wide receivers, uh, Dane. So John always likes to take a wide receiver, usually in the draft. Mm-hmm. He's got a pretty decent track record at that, um, obviously. Um, so who do, who do you think uh, John might target? Got any inside information on that one? 
Honestly, I don't. Um, I would tell you if I did, but I really don't. Um, I, this wide receiver glass is just, it's fun. And I, I don't even consider any of these guys worthy of a top 25 pick. But hmm. I think between picks 25 and 100, it's just, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the order these guys come off the board, the fit. Um, I, there's so, something for everybody. You know, you want the, the big physical freak uh, like DK Metcalf, you want a small speedster like Marquise Brown, you want the guy that's more natural as a route runner, a hands catcher, AJ Brown, uh, Paris Campbell is, you know, upside plus more as an athlete. Debo Samuel, I mean, there's just so much to like about each one of these guys, and they're all a little different. So, you know, I don't really know if there's one that stands out as more of a Dorsey guy than another, because I think when you look at this team, and, you know, I think obviously you think they have their slot guy with Jarvis Landry, but that doesn't mean that you don't go after an Andy Isabella if you really believe in the talent and, you know, you switch him and uh, Jarvis Landry in the slot. Yeah, uh, it, we'll you know, see I think for how lot... long that contract that Jarvis is on is about almost also... matching Odell's, so that doesn't seem like a long-term solution. Right, right. So, yeah, this wide receiver group, it's I'm excited to see kind of how it plays out because I think there's a lot of there's, – there's definitely no consensus with this group. How many how many teams do you think have AJ Brown as the best receiver in this group? Because watching watching this crew, I feel like he's the one who can come in day one and provide that like full package. He's he's a well rounded wide receiver where DK and Marquise Brown kind of kind of have their traits and bring one thing to the table and could develop into something more. Right, I, I think you're right. The only I mean the bigger concern with him is just. Uh, the lack of reps on the outside. He's basically a slot receiver uh, in that Ole Miss offense, uh, you know, playing the Y wide receiver position where, you know, DK was the X and DeMarcus Lodge yep. on the other side was the Z. And it's so just a nasty wide receiving core in college. Yeah. yeah. At that point. Just, yeah. just silly. Uh, if only they had a little bit better of a quarterback and offensive coordinator, maybe they would have won more games, but I think with A.J. Brown, I mean, no, you hit on it. He's a natural route runner. He's a natural hands catcher. He can create after the catch. And for a guy who's – he's not the tallest. He's six four, or he's only six foot and a half, but he's 226 pounds. Like, he is well put together, and he still ran a sub 4-5, 40-yard dash. So, I, A.J. Brown, I, no problem if any, somebody takes him in the first round. He's, he's that good of a player. And I think he can play inside, can play outside. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. I had to step aside for a second, so you might have mentioned this already. Marquise Brown, you've been high on Marquise Brown since we even talked to you back in mm-hmm. the fall. And he hasn't been able to test. Like He started like up at the top of this group, and you've got him number two in your wide receiver rankings. Like Where do you think he's actually going to go? There's so much depth in this wide receiver group. Like He is the one question mark I have that it seems like there's a wide range where he could actually be drafted. Like What are you expecting there? Yeah, no doubt. He's he is a wild card. There's no way around that. And it's he was a wild card before the foot injury. Um, but I think you also because you factor in that he's 166 pounds, which I, like he had the surgery, the foot surgery in January. So why why wasn't he just eating McDonald's every day? Because he you know he knew he wasn't gonna be able to work out at the combine. <laughs> He, you know, he wouldn't be able to work out until June. At so, least, at least, put up like a one seventy five spot or one eighty well, spot, right? Well, get to the one seventies at least. You know, one seventy <laughs> looks a lot better than one sixty six. So, I'm really surprised he came in at that weight. Um, but you know, I because of that size and durability concerns, regardless of the foot injury, the durability you just worry about the size and him getting. Uh, knocked around at the next level and just his body being able to hold up. When he enrolled at Oklahoma a couple years ago, he was 144 pounds. Like he just, he's not a big guy. And I don't, I don't know if he'll ever comfortably hold more than maybe 175 pounds, maybe. So he's just not a big guy and that's not going to be for everybody, but all it takes is one team and it would not shock me at all. If he goes top 25 or if he's available in the second round, I think there's, a wide net where he could end up going because he is just so, so different because he's so small, but he's so explosive. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, what he can do deep, uh, the Deshaun Jackson comps make a lot of sense, not just the vertical speed, but the tracking skills. 
be able to judge the ball when it's in flight like he does. Um, there's so much to like about Marquise Brown. That's why he's my number two receiver and I think worthy of a first-round pick. It's just you have to be comfortable with the medicals, um, and that'll be definitely a big step for him is uh, just you know doctors signing off on uh, that foot and making sure that he is on pace to be 100% for training camp. Yeah, I mean, you've got two wide receivers of smaller size and Andy Isabella and Penny Hart who are mm. 10, it looks like, uh, 14 and over 20 pounds heavier than, mm-hmm. than Marquise Brown. So kind of the, the double combo of, of short and thin. Right, exactly. And just some guys can't carry a lot of muscle or I, just a lot I, of weight, period. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand no, that. I, I'm like six, I'm six four and just a little more heavier than Marquise Brown. So I get it. Wow. Yeah, no, that's – I. Wow. <laughs> I'm not that tall, but I mean, I've never been over, I've never weighed 166 pounds in my life. So, you know, like I'm, I'm the same way. I, it's not easy to carry that weight for a lot of people. And, you know, he's one of them. So how do you factor that in just the lack of body armor, you know, and, uh, he doesn't have a huge catch radius, but man, you get the ball in his hands. It could be fun. Man, this wide receiver position, I am so excited about. I don't know if the Browns are even actually going to pull the trigger on anybody, but like it seems so deep, and there's so many mm-hmm. interesting players. Like as a fan of the draft in general, just aside from my Browns fandom, like it is the one position I'm excited to see how it shakes out in the draft. Because you look at your rankings, you look at all the others that are respected in the NFL draft community, and it just varies distinctly like i know many that have hakeem butler as their number one overall receiver and he's your number nine you guys you guys look at other people's work besides mine um every once in a while you know you gotta have you gotta have context dean michael you gotta tell him you 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 don't put out your draft guide until today april 15th so we've got to get our fix up until that's fair no you're right i mean because yeah like uh there are people in this business who i respect who have Hakeem Butler as a top three receiver in this draft. And I mean, I, I don't see it. I, I, I like him. I think you're, I mean, he's my number nine receiver, I believe. And so, you know, obviously I, I like what he offers, but I, I think that there's the difficulty level of what he does is going to just be, it's going to, it's going to be in, increased so much at the NFL level when he's facing NFL corners compared to what he faced at the big 12. It's just, it's going to be night and day. And, He's not a very sound route runner. He drops way too many footballs. Now he has he have that the size, the athleticism, the catch radius. There's a lot to like about there with him, but it's going to be a lot of splash plays. I don't think we're going to get any consistency from him. And splash plays are okay as long as you know you're you expect that, and you're the number two or number three receiver on the roster. But if you expect Hakeem Butler to be your number one guy, I just I don't see that at all. One of the most interesting wide receiver prospects to me is Jalen Hurd from Baylor because he we saw him at Tennessee as a running back for three years. Mm-hmm. And he transferred and he um, sat out a year and then kind of popped up back at Baylor. He's got the size. He's got maybe not the speed. I mean, he ran a 4.6. What, what do you expect from Jalen Hurd? Is, is he a difficult guy to project just because of his past experience and he's probably like learning the position as he goes? Yeah, so unique to a running back turn slot receiver like that. But you know he's uh, so such a, a, a different breed uh, of athlete because he's six four, three quarters, two hundred twenty six pounds. Uh, the four, I was disappointed by the four six. I think he's kind of still working his way back from that knee injury that cost him the Senior Bowl, couldn't work out at the combine. Um, so I, I expected him in the four fours. I, I think he has that type of speed. He's capable of it. Um, but for a guy that is a running back or was a running back most of his life, he, he's pretty impressive out of the slot. Uh, I mean, he knew what he was doing out there, showed a little bit of tempo, showed a little bit of hesitation in those routes. Now, I mean, a lot of it was simple one cut stuff and, you know, that Baylor simplified offense, uh, that they were running, but, uh, there, there's a lot to like there with, with him. And I, I don't know if he's going to go. I have him in the fourth round. I don't know if he's going to go that high um, you know, with the knee injury. And, you know, he didn't test off the charts like I think a lot of people expected him to. But there's definitely upside there, a player who's just getting started at the receiver position. I think if you're looking for kind of that big slot receiver, 
he fits perfectly. I think that he's perfect for Baker Mayfield. Like, big yeah. option, like, run after the catch ability in particular. Like, mm-hmm. Baker's just so dang accurate. You get a big guy like that that is so adept at running after the catch, like, from all of his time at running back. Like, I would love to see them take a flyer on him if he does last past that fourth-round spot. But he's also a unique prospect that he's not afraid of contact. I mean, he's got that running back right. background. You put him in the slot and have him come down across the line and block the edge rusher on a running mm-hmm. play or something like that, he almost becomes a hybrid tight end at that point. Exactly. And that's – when you, you talk about the the big slot receivers, yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about is uh, you have to have a little bit of tight end in you because you have to work the middle of the field. You have to have the toughness to, uh, you know, crowded catch points, but also – yeah, if you're going to do a, throw a crackback block or, you know, just get involved in the run game. And like you said, he can do that. Uh, just his experience as a, as a running back. And you see that on the film. He's fearless over the middle. Uh, catch focus, uh, not easily disrupted. So I'm with you. Jalen Hurd, I think you, you nailed it, would be a perfect fit uh, in that offense. I, not a guy that's going to come in and be expected to be the savior, but can come in and be a productive member of that offense. That's awesome. I'd love to see it. All right, Dane, we've taken a ton of your time. Have one last question. We're going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here for this last one. So going into the draft next week, we're less than 10 days away. I want one bold prediction from Dane Brugler about the first round of the NFL draft. Um, Bold prediction. Hot takes, Dan. Hot takes. I I already said that, what, four quarterbacks would go in the top 20. Yep, so you got to pick something Um, else. Okay, let's say, here's a hot take. Paris Campbell will be the first receiver drafted. Ooh! Are you catering to our audience, since we know there's all <laughs> these Ohio State listeners out there? No, I, I, I think uh, the first receiver off the board could be at 22, and I think Baltimore likes Paris Campbell. So, you know, I think it's a possible fit there. Um I, you know, I don't think that DK Metcalf is the consensus top receiver. Um, I, some people really like him. Some like AJ Brown, some like Hollywood, some like Paris Campbell. So it's, uh, you know, you asked for a hot take uh, that I think that's pretty hot, right? It's real spicy flaming. (laughs) Good. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much, Dane. We really appreciate you. Um, be sure that if you are listening, um, you go and you subscribe to the athletic, if you subscribe to the athletic, you get quite the perk in Dane's draft guide. It is the most comprehensive thing you could ever find on the NFL draft. Dane, tell them where else they can find your stuff. Your drop your Twitter handle and all that good stuff. Yep, best case or best uh, way to do it is at DP Brugler on Twitter. Uh, find all my stuff there. Uh, all my draft coverage is at the Athletic. Uh, got a, a lot of fun stuff coming here in the next next ten days in the lead up to the draft, um, and then of course the draft guide. And if you have the Athletic subscription. Uh, you get it free. And so if you're on the fence about uh, possibly getting a subscription, we'll just get it for a month and check out the guide and, you know, uh, peruse the website for a month, see if it's for you. Uh, I think you'll really like what we have to offer and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you check it out. Yeah. Well, if you are a fan of sports and you're a fan of good content, The Athletic is fantastic, not just the NFL, but everything else across the board. Agree. All right, Dane. Thanks so much. Um, We'll be checking you out on Twitter. Uh, Enjoy the draft. You too, guys. Always enjoy it. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Always fun to have Dane on the pod. I love those Dorsey insights. The secret that he wasn't going to give up. Also, coming (laughs) coming out of that, I think Rennell Wren's going to be our pick at 49. Based on the things he said. He, He talked about he 49 about, is too rich for Renell Wren. I'll be pissed if that's may, the case. Maybe so. Not as pissed as Chad Thomas, but I'll be yes. pissed. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. But he talked about going D-line early. Go, He wouldn't be surprised if we went D-line in the second round. And then he was pretty – I mean, he, he was came adamant. out, came he was out adamant. and stated about his Renell Wren, but he was pretty coy about the reason why. Yeah. Like, if Renell Wren's our pick at 49, I'm not making a value judgment either way, but I wouldn't be surprised. Fernell Renz, our pick at 49. I'm pointing back to this podcast. That's going to be fun. You heard it here, Browns fans. And this podcast was brought to you by Barbasol. Uh, the Barbasol Starter Kit features premium Ultra 6 Plus razors with a storage tray. Select from convenient refill intervals, two, four, or six months. And all the refills are just $1.99 each. 
Once again, go to Barbasol.com and use discount code BROWNS to get your starter kit today. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Um, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. And keep on listening. Looking forward to the draft. Go Browns. Thank you.